everybody welcome to another fascinating week with the living legend the one and only and in his own words the greatest looking man that ever lived mr joseph cardinal he's here and he's got a little bit of talking to do and then he's going to introduce uh, a very special guest someone that he knows i'll let i'll let joe take over the introductions Oh, geez, Tony, I'm, I'm almost feeling like we should start this over because you didn't go big enough, honestly. I think I thought we talked before that. You needed to hype me a little bit more. Well, that's what your ex-girlfriends used to say, so I can't go there. All right, but go ahead. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Um, yeah, today we're excited. We have a, a, a guest, a friend that I met at um, the tracker camp that we've talked about on this podcast, Octavio Liriano. And so we're very excited. He's a fellow wrestler and an outdoorsman, had a very interesting life, so I'm very excited to kind of give him the fifth degree and figure out his story. I think he's got a lot of interesting things to share with us. So, uh, but before we get into that, we've got to obviously go through our plugs. So um, if you're looking for catch wrestling training, you know, look no further. This is the, the place to go for that or, or for boxing for street self-defense. And the best way to do it is to sign up for Tony's Tri-C program. We'll have all the links below in the descriptions of the YouTube video. And obviously just go to Tony's website, catchwrestle.com. To find that, uh, there is a clock on the Tri-C program. We're going to retire that at the end of January. So that pricing, uh, you know, which basically gives you access to um, lifetime training on site at Tony's, you know, gym at, in his place and home or like remote training, you know, weekly Tony sends videos back and forth with the people who are currently um in the Tri-C program. And then you get access to all his training videos as well. So it's it's a ridiculous deal and it helps you out and it's the best way to help Tony too. So if you're looking to support our lineage of catch wrestling, that's the way to go. Um, you know, for those who can't do that at the moment, uh, obviously there's other training options online that you can do, you know, like a couple days, a few days here and there, all the pricing options are up on the website. Um, at a minimum, if you like, if you like listening to the podcast, if you've been enjoying all the content and learning, you can get on our YouTube channel, please consider joining our membership programs. We have two levels. One, uh, the $10 a month level, uh, where you get a, a unique um, video, monthly video that we put out training-wise that is not available elsewhere. So it's not any part of previous videos. We create new content, uh, new tech, not new techniques, but we talk you know, new lessons for everyone. Uh, once a month, you get that access to that. If you can't do that at a minimum, please consider doing the $5. Thank you. Just thank you for you know, access to all this free content that we provide on a regular basis uh, up on the website. We'll have links below, like I said. Uh, we also like to plug some of our schools, friends who've supported us and had us out and are, you know, in the area. Great schools, uh, Benner Martial Arts and Fitness on the north side of Chicago. If you're looking for Gi Jiu-Jitsu, he also does striking training 
and he has access to uh, you know a judo black belt who does classes there as well. So it's really a one-stop shop for that if you're up on the northwest, not northwest, really kind of like on the north side of the city. Um, speaking of the northwest side, uh, we've got Tenth Planet Jiu-Jitsu uh, with our good friend Josh Pacini, who if you're looking for no-gi training, uh, you can't do better than that. Uh, Josh is a great guy. He does wrestling training as well, so it's a good school. Uh, and lastly, but not least, is uh, our good friend Rick Solo, who's Akai Academy. If you're looking for authentic Muay Thai training in the Chicago area, really in the Midwest, you can't do better than Rick Solo's school. So uh, uh, that's about it. So I think we're ready to actually start the show officially. Uh, Octavio, thanks for joining, man. Welcome to the big broadcast. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, I enjoyed meeting you at uh, Tracker School, and uh, I'm happy to talk with you. Oh, you say... Would you say meeting Joe has been the highlight of your life? Because a lot of people say that. <laughs> well, it definitely was a, a great experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's used to it. Don't he's used to it. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. So he, he didn't have the he, he didn't get the full effect because he had I had already been at the camp for a week when Octavio showed up. Um, so I had done like the intro class. And then there was the advanced class when Octavia showed up. So I already hadn't showered for a week. So that was, you know, it's always a good introduction when you've, you know, a guy who's just washed himself with a bucket from the stream <laughs> for a week. Oh, that's, that's the best. That, that's very real. And I love realness. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was super cool. And I knew there was something different because right away he had like, he, we have, there's this area where they do kind of the lectures and the classes and you were sitting on, you already had weaved your own mat that you brought from like grasses, right? So oh, yeah. it was like, okay, this guy's already, he's got some skills already. He's got some knowledge here. So how did you get into uh, like, you know, outdoor skills and outdoor life? Uh, you know, um, I've always loved nature. So I was a kid who um, was scraping rocks on the sides of sidewalks and making my own like hatchets or arrow points without anyone showing me this was already it's it's in us so it was intuitive in that way and um I worked a lot outside as a kid on farms with my dad and um it wasn't until 1998 when when I um took official classes for wilderness skills and you know I would watch uh Yogi Bear and see them like rubbing two sticks and a fire appears. And so I went to the backyard and I was rubbing two sticks. And I'm like, man, this is bullshit. <laughs> well, not not at, at eight years old cursing, but uh, but really I was I was disappointed. And um when when I took my first standard class and it was like, we're gonna teach you how to make fire, it sparked that memory of being a kid and to actually learn the proper techniques, which honestly should have been shown on that cartoon it would have done a a great service to to kids to show like uh just at least a proper bow drill or hand drill um would have been helpful but um when I found the school I I, I say and I stand by that it, it changed my life um where I could have gone left and and destroyed um who you met whatever you liked in me that you met I found the tracker school and it gave my life this whole other course. Um, the world didn't make sense to me, right? I was uh, 20 something years old at the time. I had worked my whole life um, as a kid, right? My dad would pick me up after school. We'd go to a farm or my summers were spent um, 
picking blueberries and uh, working on, on local farms. And uh, as a kid, coming back to school and hearing about people's uh, trips to Disney World and such, I, I didn't have that, right? So by the time I was uh, in, my, in my 20s, I had worked my whole life. Um, I failed out of my, my first year of college. Um, there's wrestling connected there. And I just felt like there had to be something more to life. And I have this, this inner light that was always hopeful and peaceful. And I was really at a crossroads in my life. And, and I wound up um, going to a cleanup at the tracker school farm. A friend was taking the standard and um, she asked me if I wanted to come up and help out for Earth Day. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I would love to. Um, I always did something for Earth Day. And it was there that uh, I met Tom. I had just been walking during lunch and he's sitting on a chair and he looks over and weighs me over and I introduced myself and he asked if uh, I had ever taken any of his classes. I'm like, no, you know, uh, a friend of mine is taking a course and she got invited for a cleanup and asked if I wanted to come. And uh, his face was so moved. Like, I remember, like, just uh, his jaw dropping and shock. And um, then he asked me if I wanted a beer. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So, and I have no idea who's before me, right? I hadn't read any books. And this, this guy's an amazing person. So um, his wife cards me because I looked really young. And uh, I thought that was funny. And she brings out a beer. And I'm sitting. And uh, some people are walking by. And he just calls them over. Then he whispers something to his uh, wife at the time, and she comes out with 25 applications for a free class. Now, at the time, I probably had about $500 in my bank account, and I was couch surfing on friends in friends' homes, and I was really trying to make sense of this world. I said, I just want to take a, a summer off of no school, no work, and see what life has to offer. And I wind up at the tracker school. Now, my intention when I took, uh, I, was, I was thrilled. And then I read a book, The Vision. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this was who I met. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Uh, so my intention was to uh, learn survival skills. And I was just going to go off in the woods. I was just, I was done with society. I was done with the, the madness of it all. Just wanted to, like, learn skills to survive and, and peace out. And I realized at the end of the week, that that would just be running away. And so um, I decided that I would teach. I would teach the skills that, that brought um, the clarity and the meaning of, uh, and a sense of true purpose in, in life that I found during that week and being able to just have basic skills of survival, which is all of our heritage. And um, so that was in 1998. And throughout from there until I got my, my master's in education in uh, 2013. It was a long winding road picking up uh, a lot of different skills um, before I became an official teacher of record. It's very well, interesting. That's super cool. And like, you know, talking to a lot of other people who've been at the, the school, they have maybe not the same path to the school, but they have a, a lot of people have that kind of awakening or realization that you know, this is fundamental for them and, and their life changes, you know, once you've kind of like, like you said, this is kind of like our heritage, you know, this is part of our human heritage is that when you tap into that, uh, a lot of people, like I said, they're, they're permanently changed, you know, um, it like, like the light bulb goes off. And a lot of people, 
at least in my experience, like my experience being a city boy is that I always kind of like flirted around with nature. So like I didn't have the great outdoors per se, but um, like I've mentioned previously on this podcast when we've talked about the tracker school that there was like the Chicago River was just a couple blocks from my house and my friends. And so that was a, like a little strip of like wild, like they'd fence it off and there was just like tangled trees and bushes. And we would just spend hours just, you know, exploring around there, playing army or whatever, but it, there was always this draw to it, you know? So even though I said, you know, oh, I'm a city boy, it's like, but when I had free chance during the summer, I was always playing around in any little bit of nature I could find, you know, not that I was any kind of a naturalist, but I think that there is, if given that opportunity, I think that's, it's very, you know, that's very human. I think it's very, and so it's kind of cool to hear how you came about that. So the other thing, obviously, you know, we're kind of a martial arts centric podcast, especially around grappling. So talk about wrestling. When did you start wrestling as a kid or whenever? I don't know when you started. I, I began wrestling in um, 1990. And for me, as I said, I, I had always, um, um, I grew up working on a farm. So then I was naturally um, working out, right? Lifting boxes and, and so physically I was strong and wrestling for me was an opportunity to escape because now I had something like, nah, sorry, dad, I can't work. I've got to wrestle. So I signed up for everything that I could. I did <laughs> wrestling. I did cross country. I did uh, pole vaulting. Um, it, it was my escape. And uh, it was cool because it's a uh, it's a chance to really test yourself. There's no other sport that's just like one-on-one -on -one like that. Well, anything within martial arts, right. And, and wrestling with that. So you have, you have a team, but then you have your own personal, um, your own personal battle, right. Um, you test yourself with, with yourself, with your training, with your conditioning, and then with this opponent who's been doing the same thing. And, um, I took to it right away. So even though I didn't have um, experience going in my first year, I did really well. I just like um, I, I didn't have any preconceived notions of who who was who in the wrestling world. And I, I, I beat some people like other people were amazed, like because I didn't have that. I didn't have it in my head. Like as a first year wrestler, I wasn't supposed to win. And so I, I, I did well. And I continued throughout um, the four years. Uh, I wound up placing seventh, eighth in the state in my final year, uh, my senior year. And I don't, I don't remember my official record. It was more wins than losses, a lot more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm, that's. There's more to say on that, but I'll, if you have any questions, I can answer. That's really cool. So, you know, we actually didn't get the basics. So, I, you know, I obviously we know you're on the East Coast. Did you always live on the East Coast? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, born and raised in New Jersey. I was born in Newark in the, in the city. And then uh, about three years old, my parents moved to South Jersey. So I grew up with um, a lot of woods and lakes around me, a lot of exploration. That's cool. And you're, and you're really close to the tracker school, too, then. So if you've yeah, always looked at yeah. that, yeah, I've always been envious of the people who are like close to their instructors like that. Like, I'm fortunate enough to be close enough to Tony that I have access to get, you know, when I want to get training, you know, other people fly in from all over the, the world, race occasionally to get training. But, you know, 
but it, yeah, there's definitely, I met people at the, at the school who are like, yeah, I live a couple hours away. And I'm like, why aren't you here all the time? <laughs> you know, like, well, you got all this free time because they do weekend things and, you yeah, know, it's yeah. all this stuff. So it's great opportunity. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I, I, that I was thinking about prior to this podcast, thinking about is that one of the things that there's a lot of crossover between, you'd think that in some ways they're different disciplines, but there's some universal principles to like outdoor survival skills and just like, you know, self-defense or, or any kind of combat sports in general. And one of the underlying principles is uh, to me is conservation of energy. You know, they, they kind of drilled that into us at the camp that like, you know, if you're in a survival mode, you, you want to be thinking through what you're doing because every calorie you spend, you know, you don't want to be inefficient and in running around. You want to have a plan and stick to it. So you're like, you know, right. oh, I'm going to make my shelter. I'm going to go as, as I'm going to look for my shelter. I should be looking for other resources. So it's all about trying to be as efficient. And I think that's something that, you know, people who are trying to, I think it's any kind of, I think when you're in any kind of survival situation, whether it's a, a physical confrontation or, you know, something where you're, you know, you're needed surviving out of nature, that, that, that's the kind of a universal principle, you know, uh, have you seen any other kinds of crossovers or, or things that have like that they've helped each other, you know, as far as getting perspective or. I, I wish that I had had, um, the wilderness training prior to, to, uh, wrestling. I think it, it, all of that enhances it. Um, it, it can be grounding. Um, I, I was fighting, I was fighting, I was fighting when I, when I joined wrestling and you're amongst all of these other, um, peers who are fighting as well. And the, the disservice that, that can happen or the um, missed opportunity that can happen is uh, you have all of these fighters, but you're missing this whole other side, this softer side, this, um, um, this realness and communication. So it wasn't until well after I um, graduated and began having some real conversations and learning about who I was really next to amongst my peers and the struggles everyone was facing we brought that out into the mat and it gave us like a, a way to channel whatever we were, we were struggling with. But um, there was a lot of harm done in, in some of our lifestyles and um, just in our own um, mental capacity, um, our own inner thoughts. Right. Um, and so through, through the wilderness and which also led to um uh, I was a wilderness therapy uh, instructor. I worked uh, with uh, counselors, with therapists out in the field with um, quote unquote troubled youth. Uh, that kind of aspect would greatly enhance any kind of program, especially um, uh, wrestling. Uh, there's probably some of that in martial arts. I haven't done any martial arts, but there are some um, programs or philosophies that get you to just really show that that softer side and um, when what I got from from nature was the role of the caretaker, um, the role of of seeing how you can help an area some, simply as cutting um, two branches that are rubbing and wounding each other. And nature will take care of itself in that way of like 10, 20 years, uh, branches breaking and insects going in and its own course. But you can you can cut one of those branches and now they're not wounding each other. Now a healthy branch will grow. And you can use that other branch uh, to make a bow for a bow drill, or it might have uh, 
some properties for a rope or it might have some medicinal qualities. And so when you get that kind of thinking and those kind of uh, ways of balancing in, in someone, they can have a, they can add to their, um, their betterment in, in, in mind, body, and in spirit and all of that. And the training that it takes for wilderness skills that leads to the conditioning that would be helpful in wrestling and the sitting and the sit spot and just breathing that can help with a lot of, uh, uh, I'm, I'm certain in high schools um, nationwide, you will find similar stories in, in the struggles that um, these wrestlers are facing. Um, then, and they're in, I guess, probably any sport, but um, in the context of wrestling, man, the, the stories that, that, I, that I heard and that I shared, they're, they're tough with a tough group of uh, guys that, that don't always share that until sometimes it's, it's too late. So if we can get real and there's nothing more real in nature, there was nothing more real than the conversations I was sitting having with, with teens who had gotten in, in all kind of trouble. And it was in nature where we found a space to, to be real and to talk and to begin that healing process. And in that healing at a young age, I can only imagine how that can really help um, our youth in, in whatever they're endeavoring, uh, um, wrestling or um, the blend in academics or sin being a healthy person on their own. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think that's awesome that you're, you know, so when did you get started helping, like actually giving back to kids and, and, and working with them and teaching? Well, you know, um, oh, you know, a- after I took my standard class, um, I had a chance to work at a 4-H camp. And it's, it's, it's a fun story because, uh, it was a chance for me to practice my skills and also teach. And the best way to, to learn is to keep teaching because then you have to prepare so that you know what you're doing. And um, this was in uh, 2000, I believe. Um, and uh, 4-H is, um, they have the 4-H's are like hands, helping, heart and uh, health, I believe. But that year, Somehow I convinced the, uh, the director to make, uh, to, to have our groups be earth, wind, fire, and water. And it brought this whole new element to the camp. And I was supposed to teach camping and I be- quickly became disenfranchised. I was like, man, it's like setting up a tent, wrapping food in tinfoil. And that like that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm like, oh, no way. I want to I want to teach Bodro. I want to teach making a debris hut. And so he allowed me to create the uh, like a wilderness survival week for the kids. And so we got to do shelter, fire, water and food over four days. And then on the last day, everyone got to sleep out at our shelter we made, which was a big deal because some of these kids, this was their first experience in nature. And throughout the whole week, they were really putting their heart into, into practicing these skills. And it was, it was magical. On the, on the last night, we'd go to every cabin and be like, oh, all right, who's in the survival group? And all the kids are peeking out from the cabin and the, the person's all excited going out with their sleeping bag and uh, walking out until 
um, this um, right off the Appalachian trails. And there are like rattlesnakes and black bears and all of these things that could be scary, but we're like in the flow. And when you're in the flow of it, it that fear is gone. And so it was just magical. And I remember besides all the cool things like we learned in regards to um, some, some traps or some water filtration and, and shelter, which is number one, um, and some wild edibles that, that we would teach. Um, that, that connection is, is number one in setting like a, a positive uh, mental attitude. And so I remember being out there and having a, a small ceremony of, of gratitude for what we learned for the week. And everyone, we made a big giant bow drill kit and everyone as a team made a fire like, uh, and then we had uh, sticks lining a path and everyone got to pick up a stick and they got to share something they were, um, something they learned or something they were thankful for. And they added it to the fire. And symbolically by the end, we had this beautiful big bonfire and we're sitting around it and it, we're surrounded by tall white pines and the blackest, blackest sky dotted with uh, millions of stars. And I remember this one kid, he, he stands out out of that whole summer. And he's like, do you feel that? Do you feel that? And he's looking around. He's not saying, do you see? He's like, do you feel that? And ah, it, it gives me goosebumps with the, like how he was saying it and what it was doing like uh, within. So um, I would say that was my first chance to really... Um, work with youth in, in a way that um, I would say is uh, life-changing. That, that, that kid remembers that in a profound way. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, you so, seem to really gravitate. I got a question because I don't know. I'm not a nature guy. So, I mean, I do grasp what you're, you guys are doing. So what would be the difference between what you do and, let's say, an arborist? nothing maybe depending who the arborist is and and what they're what they're doing it's it's an awareness um i would say an awareness that you're not separate from nature you you are nature and nature is you um so i may I'm, i won't make a big deal about it or make a big ceremony about it but i would i might say thank you to a tree. Thank you for what you're providing. Thank you for what you're giving and allowing to, for me to teach. And I hope that um, however I work with you helps in your health and in your growing and that others may find um, similar connection and even just being in your presence. So do you study like different species of of trees like you know that's an elm tree that's a maple tree and yes 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 and and I, it's cool because um there are so many uh connections with shelter water fire food um what trees you can use to, you know one time i cut my um cut my finger pretty bad on the back with a, a razor i was cleaning and i didn't see a razor behind a sink and i remember hearing that you could use um, pine, uh, pine bark, the inner bark in an emergency. And so it gave me an opportunity to test it. So I ran to my backyard and I cut a rectangle piece out of a, a pine and 
took all the hard bark off and made a long strip out of the inner bark and it has antiseptic properties. So I just wrapped it around my uh, wound. I tied it off and I was amazed. The way that wound healed, it, it left like no scar. So that could be life-saving. That was a fun experiment, but that could be life-saving. If you're out in the woods and you get an infection, that's it. And you don't, you don't get a chance to get to a hospital. So I love it because it's, it's security in, in the, the highest sense. Like I'm here because I have a choice. And one of the happiest moments in my life was when I built a shelter out of sticks and leaves, I was on a survival trip and it took me two days. I built a shelter and there was a storm that came through and the rain was so heavy, I couldn't see five feet in front of me. But here I was in a shelter that I made and I was dry and I was warm. <laughs> and maybe every minute or so there was like a tiny drip, but this was like sheets falling. And so that's one of the, that'll be one of the happiest moments in my life because it showed me that I'd be okay. From, from learning how to use what was around me. And so I consider everything after that, like gravy, like what? I have running water and I'm in a warm <laughs> house and I have um, food that I don't have to go out and trap or hunt or, you know, or not everyone wants to eat crickets, right? They're delicious, by the way. But, oh, <laughs> but so everything else from there is like, I'm here by choice and and I love it and I'll keep doing what I do. And if it ever comes a time where I, I would have to, uh, I'm either stranded or I would have to go deeper in the woods just for safety, for whatever reason, I'd have a home, I'd have a place. And so nature's my friend in that way. Now, I don't know if you know, uh, if you can answer this, but what would be the difference between your training and what a, a military survival course would be i would assume yours is far more in depth um well it depends um i guess the the depth someone is, is speaking of or, or seeking uh wilderness survivalists you know uh they can survive and depending who it is i don't i don't know who the person is but it could be more of a, a struggle where um it's a relationship and i, I don't know I, I haven't been in the military and i don't know their their training but uh, how I was trained is just really treating nature as a, as a relation. And um, with that, um, some things might not make sense, but in your heart, you know, it's true. And so where the mind might tell you if you need um, the best materials for uh, the best area to trap an animal, your mind might tell you, no, in my training, I need to go in this direction, but you're feeling a pull in another direction. doesn't make sense, but it, it feels different. And you go with that and you find more success in that way. So there's something of the heart in there that doesn't necessarily exclude anything military because everybody's different. Everyone's an individual. So um, we have our, our own connections. Um, just my training advocates more, more for that. Um, not, not just using nature as a tool, but really forming a, a relationship with it. And anyone who you form a relationship with, genuine and with heart, you're going to, it's reciprocity. 
um, you'll you'll care for each other. And that's how it is in, in nature, even though it's not a person that can talk, there there's this um there's this relationship with whatever it is, um, plants or animals or um whatever's out there. It's I you know, I cannot relate at all again to the nature thing, but what you said about your your heart may want to send you this way. So many years ago, I was at, in Atlantic City, and I went to the, uh, to the casino, and I had studied blackjack, so I went specifically to play blackjack. And I had the system down, da-da-da, and I was doing fairly well. There was times when my heart said, go this way, veer off the, the training, and I failed. You know, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, wisdom in what you said it, you got to believe in your training and you have to stick to it. Otherwise, you know, it's chaos. You know, and some of that intuition or that, that comes with time, you know, cause sometimes you have to know when to break the rules, you know, uh, and improvise. I mean, as you know, there's, I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's certain rules that you're not going to break. Like, you know, like you need shelter, you need certain fundamental things, but there is a, when you put a hundreds of hours or, you know, into something, uh, it's almost like a precognitive thing where your 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 mind is making calculations that maybe even consciously you're not even aware of, you know. So there's 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 two ways to look at it. Some people interpret that as like I said, like just a function of the brain, but other people take kind of a spiritual look to it, saying that they're getting more in tune. And I was thinking kind of about, I was I was having all kinds of uh, thoughts as as you two guys were talking. Uh, the one kind of question about like. Um, what I like about the skills, and I, I don't know if, how you feel about this, Octavio, but like, you know, a lot of people want to get in touch with nature. They want to get closer to nature, but these skills give you a, a very concrete, tangible way of doing it. So if you need to know how to build a shelter, find food, I can't just, you know, abstractly get closer to nature by going, I have to know that tree. I have to study it. I have to understand it. You know, so I, I you actually literally have, you you truly get closer to nature. You have to study it and learn it and spend time with it. So it's not just kind of, uh, you know, uh, even though there is an, an emotional connection to it, there is a very tangible, I am learning and getting closer. I know what these, I know how this animal behaves. You know, I know how I've, you know, I know why it's making a track and such, you know, the better you get at these skills, the, you literally are integrating yourself into the natural flow of things to, to, to really survive in a, a kind of, uh, you know, in a in a i would say i wouldn't say comfortable but in a more efficient way you've got to kind of get what i would say very tangible practical closeness to nature um and i was going to answer tony's question about because there were military guys at the camp that i talked to um uh and some of them were just volunteering like they had um you know they they had um or teaching too so some of them were teachers some of them were volunteers it's funny some people that came there to learn one of the guys was a special forces guy i just learned him on the i met him on the water crew i can't even remember his name but we just started chatting up you know and i i asked him about ultimately kind of through my you know line of questioning i found out that he was you know a special forces guy and i said well how does this correlate with what you were you know and he said really only there was something called seer training which is, is survival escape you know uh, resistance and I, I think it's an acronym for an evasion but anyways he said the type of skills he says you know most of the time they're they're kind of focused to a very practical like you know so like you're going to carry a lighter with you you're going to carry your mechanical means to do these survival skills because your, your job is to, to get the job done where 
our approach is like, yeah, learning to make, you know, a, a fire with sticks is not the most efficient way necessarily. <laughs> like, you know, we have tools nowadays that we could use to bypass that process, but we're going to take the more primitive way because it's a path. It's not, A, it's a, it's a tangible skill. So the, the, in some ways there's multiple dimensions to this that, yeah, when, let's say you lose all your tools, whatever happens, you lose your backpack, you lose whatever, you don't have your lighter, then you actually need this skill. But even when you don't need this skill, it's kind of a pathway. Like I said, again, it's a tangible skill to learning you know, what is this plant? What is this tree? So we're, we're choosing to, to learn the more primitive ways as a way of getting closer to nature too. So like, I would think the military, they leave, they're all about like efficiency and getting the job done, you know? And so they, he said, basically, this was like emphasizing that one little small aspect of their training that they, you know, at the special forces level, we were saying, well, we're going to delve into that little small and become experts at that. So where they spend maybe a week or two, you know, of their years, and training working on those skills as a like the worst case fail safe that's where we start you know so we're taking we're taking it's, it's very weird because the venn diagram we definitely cross over in those skills but it's why do you do those skills you know and how much time do you spend working on them and crafting them uh so it's like i said to the outside observer there's definitely some crossover but once you get into it you're like oh yeah i'm doing this for maybe different reasons like you know i actually now talk about you know um, what I think is, and here's a kind of another crossover between, you know, martial arts. And I think these skills is that, you know, hopefully when people get in it, you know, like when we bring people in to train these skills, uh, like the martial arts skills we do with Tony is my hope is always that they're not only thinking about, well, how can I learn this so I can feel safer and defend myself, but also, you know, this is kind of part of our cultural heritage, this knowledge, and how can I take this knowledge and pass it on to the next generation? So I should not only be thinking well, maybe initially all you're worried about when you do it is like, how do I survive? You know, like when you're first learning it, you want, oh my God, I'm being bullied or I'm in a dangerous neighborhood. I need to learn these things. But ultimately, at least there's a, a subgroup of people who've taken these skills and they, they start to get to a point where they're like, this has value to me. And it's interesting because we also see people who, when they get into martial arts, they almost, you know, you might even call it a spiritual awakening because um, it's another thing where, like when you said, Octavio, like, hey, I felt comfortable and safe, like worst case scenario, I can go out into the woods, you know, like if everything hits the fan, I'm going to be okay. And there's a similar kind of uh, self-reliance confidence that you get fundamentally when you're like, hey, if shit really hits the fan, like someone really comes at me, I, I feel that I have some, I have some options here. I can be safe. You know, when the real, when, when all the, uh, all the facade of society, you know, when we're just dealing with when it's my, and, and that can give you like a bedrock foundation on how to live the rest of your life. Like you said, everything else is gravy. Like, you know, if I can walk into an, you know, uh, into an environment and not have to worry about, you know, am I going to be safe? You know, uh, that can be liberating. And I think also, I think, uh, and like I said, I'm just rambling here, but I think when people, all these skills, whether it's nature skills or martial arts skills, they're not easy, you know, uh, you know, to, to become proficient at these things takes work and, you know, um, and sacrifice and hurt, you know, I mean, people like, you know, I've seen people like when they're working the hand, hand bow drill with the fire, they tear up their hands a little bit as they're learning, you know? And so these, these skills come at a cost of time and effort and emotional things. And when you achieve it, you know, that, that elevates you. It should like, you know, there was a girl at our camp the week before you got there, when she made her first bow drill fire, she was crying. 
she was sitting there in like what it was a prayer position crying you know i don't think i don't think it was like a, you know i don't think she was uh explicitly being you know like spiritual and need but you could see it was a life-changing event for her you know she will always remember that moment where she did something she didn't think she could possibly do you know it seemed you know and it must be awesome i would think as a teacher to see see your students hit that like that to me has got to be super rewarding to be like i've guided this person on this path and now like you they have that moment you know, and they can take that on. So that's cool. That's got to be one of the draws for you. It, it's power. It, those are powerful experiences. And what you were talking about was the discipline that it takes, which wrestling, uh, whatever martial arts, um, and wilderness training, um, it's a discipline. And the cool thing is there are so many avenues. There's shelter, fire, water, food. After the advanced standard and advanced tracking courses, um, there's the scout, and that's this whole other way of of, of um, wilderness skills of working in teams. Of there's um, martial arts training in that way, um, exercises of being um, blindfolded and being in the woods and navigating in that way. That's a whole other discipline of training your your awareness and heightening your your senses and your your intuition in that way. Um, and what's cool is uh, we were talking about the brain and the training. And I always like to say brains, like plural, because we have this, but we can't solely rely on what's in our head. There's like our heart is like a brain, our gut brain. That's I, I see it in, in that way. And so I say brains and we need to operate on the 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 what's in our head, what's in our chest, what's in our gut and um and if we play with that a play is the foundation i was scraping rocks if, if someone had seen that they could have and and they had that training uh, i i wonder where my skills could have been instead of um i could tell you a lot about um three's company and what's happening and night quarter <laughs> and mash and all the hours I spent on TV and video games, if that was dedicated as a discipline towards something different. Ugh. So, so it's cool to work with kids in that way. And um, nature is nature. Nature is nature in the city or in the, the deepest forest. So just um, being able to be, be shown that connection with games is, is cool. And what I love is that everyone has this inherent talent someone's going to be the fire maker. Someone's going to be really just love plants and learning about plants and having all the knowledge with that. Someone's going to be able to be like the tracker where they could track a cricket hopping on the ground. Um, so you, you work with kids and you have these games and you show these disciplines and you give kids an opportunity to, to practice and play in that way and to encourage whatever inherent talent it has. And I think that you have the chance for like lifting, elevating um, our, our communities, our families in, in that way. And so it has been a joy, not uh, just, just because I, I felt that. And sure, it's great to see in, in other, other children. We don't want someone to have to struggle like you, you struggled um, unnecessarily. We need struggle to growth. That, that is growth. So healthy struggle. We don't need um, a lot of the, the uh, I would call more uh, 
mental abuses or physical, emotional abuses um, that, that occur in, in our society. And so I, I love um, using uh, nature connection and teaching skills as part of that connection to just help make healthier, healthier people. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a real shame that, you know, that this isn't more kind of uh, universal as far as how we educate our children, you know, that it isn't society-wise, you know, um, I mean, they have Boy Scouts and things like that, but even that's optional, you know, even and, and a lot of those skills are, you know, like I said, they spend a lot of time doing Pine Derby and other things that are not, you know, it's more activities, extracurricular activities. I mean, they definitely get the kids out into the woods, which is good, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of, you know. Yeah. It's a, it, that's a, you know, so anyone who's bringing out in kids in, in nature, I celebrate because I see more and more fences. If you've ever read um, Last Child in the Woods with uh, Richard Louv, it talks about um, nature deficit disorder and how we, we remove kids from nature. We instill fears like there's a natural fear of the dark that's ancient, but it's not natural to just be afraid of um, an ant that's, that's taught. Um, unless you had a bad experience with a fire ant or something. But usually we pick up these fears from, from the people who we trust and find meaning around us. And then we, we just inherit them and own them when they're not uh, necessary. So um, the cool thing is there are so many programs out there um, that are doing what we're talking about. And, and so after that um, 4-H camp, I actually taught for the coyote tracks which was um, there were people who went to the tracker school and, and wanted to be able to uh, share these skills in a meaningful way with, with their families. And it doesn't always translate well um, with you being that teacher within your family. There's already um, preconceived notions about who you are and what you've done. And, um, and, and maybe your just skills aren't, aren't totally up to par. And uh, Coyote Tracks created a space where children as young as five could come with their families or even a little younger um, and 10, 12 years old independently and uh, teen programs that work with kids and give them another option uh, as an activity that they can do besides school and, and traditional sports. Um, so people have taken vacations and spent a week learning skills with, with their families and those same powerful moments of uh, what you witnessed with that woman who put her all into getting a fire and um, that uh, that deep sense of gratitude um, she felt moved her to tears. Um, you know, th- I've seen that over and over again, um, hundreds of kids and families and not only Coyote Tracks, but um, other great programs. Uh, Hawk Circle in New York comes to mind. Um, uh, uh, there, there, there are many, there are, there are a lot out there and that's exciting to me. Yeah. You know, a guy by the name of Mike Hanak. No, it doesn't, doesn't okay. come to mind. Do, do you All know, right. you want to talk about anything he does or. No, I used to know him. I've lost touch with him. I've been trying to, he, he was into all of this. Uh, well, he's a great martial artist and a keto guy, but he's very, he had real world experience and he did a lot of tracking I thought, now I could be wrong because this is 20 years ago. I thought he went out west and trained with some guy who was either the foremost tracker in the world or, or somebody like that, some major, major league guy. 
but he's from, he was from the Boston area, up, up by Massachusetts. So I'm wondering if he worked with uh, your instructors down there in Jersey, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a really uh, great uh, naturalist, um, John Young, who um, is also a student of um, Tom Brown of the Tracker School. And he uh, began the Wilderness Awareness School out in um, Washington, I believe. So there could be a connection there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm tight. It's like I said, I've lost touch with the guy. You know, people move and you numbers, you know. So, no, I just asked. I asked somebody else that was on the show. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to get a hold of him just to say hello. He was a, he is a good guy. Oh, maybe he'll hear this. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know. Um, but, no, that's very interesting what you do. And you, now Joe was mentioning it's a, we should have our kids and, you know, the children. There's so many things, and there's just not enough hours in the day, right? Because um, everybody who's passionate about a, a skill set like this, um, yours with the, you know, the na- naturist and the self-defense and then whatever else, you know, sciences, there's just so much. It just takes up time. You know, it's so much time. So you have to learn to prioritize yeah, yeah, absolutely. A uh, part of that, what you're speaking to is the structure of society. And that's like a whole other um, thing, right? Because time is made up. We, we, we make up the, the time that we have, the way that we use it, how we use it, why. And so, you know, there, I don't think there's any reason why there couldn't be uh, right now more opportunities for, for, um, kids to be learning this other than us finding a creative way to make it happen. Um, if you add up, like, as I said, man, all the times I had on video games and television and even in school, um, yeah, I, I have a master's in education and, um, I was a public school teacher for a number of years and, and I loved it. And I love that I was able to incorporate my wilderness training in the classroom. But then, you know, one time I walked in with a caterpillar on my finger to show another classroom and the teacher like freaked out and screamed and wouldn't let me in. Wow. (laughs) Right. So that's, you know, that's two very different attitudes towards uh, nature. And and so what is what did that show the kids who saw that and what did they miss from that? And what are we missing in in. not allowing our kids like more unstructured exploration time. I think that's fundamental to, to our development. And there's this um, new movement of uh, kindergarten is the new first grade. And that was one of the most unhealthy things I've ever heard because that, that's meaning that you're taking away playtime to put some structured um, academic time, which we have this uh, neurosis thinking some that our kids aren't going to learn when this our brains are brilliant and designed to learn and we just got to let kids have the opportunity to learn through play and play in nature and it's all there so I actually I homeschool my kids and um, I I also worked with other parents and they brought their kids with me and I did like this nature education and I had I let them know listen Take everything I say with a grain of salt, right? Because I don't, I don't know everything. However, just give it a chance to allow your kids to play. Don't worry about if they're going to learn. Don't worry about if they're going to read. Don't worry. Of course, if there's something 
a significant developmental delay, you want to you want to look at that. That aside, um, let them play. My my children learn through making discoveries, and then we ask questions, and then building on that passion. Well, let's research it. Let's look at field guides. And now it's not a forced way of learning. You have to learn science at 9 a.m. because it's 9 a.m. It's playing and making genuine, authentic, exciting discoveries and building on that. And that's, that's I would love to see something um, revolutionary in the way that we educate our children and incorporate this into their, their, their lives. But it's such a big push because it's, it's parents and it's society that's structured in this way that isn't allowing it. But little by little, there's, there's a shift happening. And, and I'm happy to see that. Well, yeah, you've definitely touched a nerve with me, too, because uh, when you mentioned the kindergarten is the, well, a lot of things you said, but the kindergarten is first grade because we have this thing in Chicago, too, because, you know, a lot of our, you know, we've got a ton of inner city kids and people are struggling with things. And so their answer is, well, you know what, instead of doing like an hour of math, they're going to do two hours of math. And it's like, that's not going to help. You know, you can't force. It's not a matter of forcing more things on these kids. It, you know, it's not they it's a very assembly line and they treat them like machines. And obviously, I think there's other other things that at work there it's not just about education it's about keeping the kids safe and off the streets you know they're just basically babysitting them and keeping them active i mean there's a lot of things you know i kind of uh, a, a realization i had so my um my kids did through high school they were very blessed with the opportunity to do an exchange program with germany kids came here and you know so the german kids came here and then our kids went there and man, it was kind of embarrassing for them to have to sit through our, the way our structure was. You got to be there at seven in the morning. You got, you know, you got four minutes in between each class. You had to hustle your ass over there. And, you know, it's like, no wonder by the time mo- a, lot of, a lot of guys don't even make it through high school. They're like, screw this. This is horrible. You know, they, it's like a prison sentence. We've turned oh. learning into a prison sentence. It's, it's structured very much like a prison. Yeah. And, you know, I have a buddy who's a dean of high schools and he deals with like troubled kids and stuff. And literally what he does, he didn't explicitly do this. But when I when I heard how he structured what he teaches, like, you know, guys who, are, who get into trouble, he basically is putting them on kind of a, a learning path that's either closer to college or closer to what they're doing. Like in Germany, when my kids experience with their high school, like, you know, they don't have the same class every day. It's much more like today we're doing this class, you know, like, so there was more time to absorb the knowledge. It wasn't just, you know, and like for lunch, they had like an hour and a half. They could all go home and ride their bikes, you know, now granted, they probably are in a safer neighborhood for some, some kids like in the city, but there wasn't this like, you know, rush, 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 you know, like massive, and like you said, when it happens more organically, I mean, the ideal thing is if you have, have a parenting situation, and obviously not all kids have this, this luxury, you know, single parent homes, and there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a luxury to be able to, you know, a blessing to be able to raise, you know, and educate your kids at home, yeah. um, both for the parents and the kids, I think, yeah, you know, absolutely. and obviously you're kind of channeling my inner hippie here, but I think, uh, I think it's, you're exactly right. It's like, you know, um, yeah, let them play, let them explore. The, the more they kind of take that away, you know, uh, it, there's a point of diminishing returns. You can't force more and more textbooks and things on kids. They're not, you know, maybe a handful of kids, you know, will click with that. But the majority, that's, you know, not going to happen. I just know so many people get burnt out, you know, and we lose all that human potential where they, they like you said, it's natural to learn. Uh, the human machine is an amazing thing. I mean, like Tony is a musician. 
Um, you know, and I, I mean, the human body can do so many different things, learn multiple languages, play music, do all this. I mean, we've get, we're given all this potential, you know, and somehow, like you said, it's, it's, uh, this actually kind of goes back to your observations about the wrestling training. I mean, it all kind of ties in. It's like this attitude of how do you, do you just train, you just train superficially, or do you look to try and have that deeper development, you know? can you get something more out of your education or your training? Um, I mean, to me, that's kind of the ideal. If you have the right coach and the right teachers who are trying to do that, to, to say it's not just about the, the base level skill, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think at time, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, you go. I, I was going to say that I also think at times there's a disconnect um, in some people that they don't realize that the skills, okay, let's just take wrestling. Okay. Um, the skills that got you through all the years of wrestling into whatever level you ended up at, okay? Um, I think sometimes people forget those skills, those, those traits can be applied to your life, to your job, to your marriage, your dating situation, whatever. I sometimes see that with students or people that I know, not even students that were so wonderful at something, so, you know, basically world-class, and yet the rest of their lives are in shambles and they don't realize, Hey, the same principles that made you uh, a star in, in one aspect, you know, can be used in other avenues of your life. We got to start making people realize it's, you know, it's, it's not the techniques sometimes alone. It's the underlying principles that you carry within yourself, the desire, the determination, the, the patience, the uh, enthusiasm, what, whatever, you know, whatever else, uh, you know, comes into play coming out of you. So that's just my take on things. Yeah, I, I think um, so going, bringing it back to wrestling, um, you know, as I said, it was a it was a lot of warriors in the room and that that helped translate into um, our, our tenacity or perseverance in other aspects of our lives. And um I remember, man, we had really great coaches, a lot of heart, and we're a bunch of knuckleheads too. He's got to work with in this room. Um, and I don't know of, of a lot about other wrestling programs. I know, I know of my own experience and then what I experienced in college. And I found that it was just lacking uh, another part. Some of it connected with the, with the wilderness and some of it connected with the wilderness therapy that would have just multiplied all of the benefits um, exponentially um, because within my training, there was also this uh, lack of health. So I was like, right, my senior year, I was 125. I was wrestling 125 weight class pounds. I was like going down from 145 pounds. It's like 20 pounds that... Um, taking um laxatives or running with um trash bags like sucking whatever to suck weight and then on top of that there's um you know i said um i had talked a little about um just struggles that i was having that i didn't realize lots of other people are having and what's the norm that you see like on movies and stuff is like kids and parties and i i was doing that i was like going to parties drinking at 10th grade right? So what is that? Uh, 15, 16 years old. And so then it'd be like doing all this good training. And then on the weekend, just eating a bunch of shit and then drinking and then having to suck all the weight from that. And 
it was like there's this it wasn't detected it was so within the culture of of the norm and it's what you do you see what see other people doing and in the movies and um and i was effectively destroying myself a piece at a time um so i i did this for for four years and um by by my senior year when things were just like not making sense i was had this um depression i wasn't really speaking about you know from the outside things looked fine and then um I got a, a full ride academically and um, for, for wrestling for um, um, uh, Ryder University in New Jersey. And then I was in such a state that I just wanted to get away um, even further from whatever I, I, I sense was, um, was an issue to whatever I was struggling with. Not realize I'm carrying that. It doesn't matter how far you're going to go. So I wound up going to Connecticut and um, had a Weasley um coach who promised all these um uh, equal kind of scholarship and then I found myself in Connecticut without money and um now um struggling half-heartedly in the wrestling program and um half-hearted in academics and there like man that was like rock bottom for me I was I just stopped wrestling I I was failing out of school it was really humbling. Then I had to like go back home. And that was like, that was just about prior to where um, I was, um, you know, just doing like small jobs for a couple of years. But prior, that was what led to where I finally went to the tracker school. And I had this turn where I could either just continue to destroy my life. And um, I found this way that just really elevated my, like my life took this arc to now that has just been um, wonderful. I'm not saying that there aren't struggles because it's been constant growth, but that same tenacity, that same perseverance um, I, I kept with and just uh, continue to grow and, and continue to, to not give up. And so, um, yeah, I would, I would love to see in, in any of these programs, um, martial arts or, or wrestling or just our basic academic programs, this, this other way to allow um, uh, kids to have uh, more play and a deeper sense of uh, communication, um, some, some more realness so that there's not this facade that we can easily cover with um, stuff, material stuff that eventually fades till you want more stuff, whatever that is. Well, when I was growing up, I was born and raised in Cleveland. So Cleveland was, at least in my time, a very ethnic city. Um, so I, you know, the kids were from a different, like their parents may have been from Poland or Croatia or Slovenia or some, you know, Bosnia, um, Hungary. Um, these are all the different, some of the different nationalities that I, that I dealt with. So some of those children approach life you know, differently than let's say I would, because, you know, even though I'm an Italian, uh, you know, I was, and I did have that Italian culture, I guess. So I looked at things differently than, than they would. Um, and, you know, fast forward a hundred years to where I'm at now. Um, and especially where I'm living currently, uh, 
there's basically zero ethnicity. There's nothing. I mean, there are some Hispanics, but outside of that, these are people who, you know, their fam. they don't, I, I've, it's funny. I've, I've talked to people out here and I've lived here eight years. Um, well, what nationality are you? I always ask. And they're like, I don't know. Mm, I think I'm a Heinz 57 or something. <laughs> so they've lost complete touch with, uh, you know, any of their previous roots. So uh, I guess what I'm getting at is, and, and I'm rambling now, is the kids out here from from a ethnicity standpoint are all on equal footing, okay? They're not bringing in their German heritage or their Irish or their, you know, wherever they're from, you know. Uh, so it's kind of more on an equal equal playing field, whereas, man, in my day, you had so many people from so many varied backgrounds that it was it was hard to find, you know, a, you couldn't find any commonality there. So, like, to take off on what you said, we, we all found our commonality in maybe video games or rooting for the Cleveland Browns or the Indians or, you know, what have you. So it's just different, different times, man. It's a different time now. And I was going to riff on something you said, too, an observation. And, um you know, about what the wrestlers and the attitude with weight. And there is that kind of fine line of like, as a good coach, especially a coach of kids, you know, is it about winning, you know, or is it about making healthy kids, you know, functional kids? You know, I was, I was pretty upset. I remember when I started uh, my son in wrestling um, at the very first parent meeting, I said, is there any pressure to lose weight? You know, uh, you know, what's, 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 the, how do you guys handle that? Cause I know weight, making weight is super important. How do you, what's the message you give the kids? And they were there, they, they said all the right things. Um, but lo and behold, you know, I found my son doing things that he shouldn't be doing to make weight, you know, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I'm glad I caught it. And, uh, and I don't know if, like I said, if it was, uh, explicitly communicated from the coaches or if if the coaches just didn't stay on top of it enough but they definitely put enough pressure on the kids like hey you need to be five pounds less because you know and i should have been i should have been more interacting with the coaches going you know i should have just been there more regularly and say hey listen i don't care if my kid gets pinned a lot i want him to be you know i don't want him skipping multiple meals you know this is the time for his body to develop and grow you know i don't want i don't want him to you know uh, turn into like an anorexic trying to trying to get another win on the board. You know, I want them to learn these skills. I want them to develop, you know, I want them to eat healthy, but you know, uh, but yeah, you're right that like, you know, so, and you know, it, it kind of even translates. So even else, I mean, this goes to any teacher, I think, you know, and, and it's hard, it's hard to get good teachers. I mean, it's a tough job. They're not paid well. Um, you know, it's gotta be a calling, you know, I think, uh, and it's it's a it's a it's a sacred calling, I think. I mean, you can't you know it's a super important. Uh, but just like in the martial arts, there are certain schools where they just train thugs. You know, they 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 don't give them any guidance outside of this is how you hurt somebody, and um, they push them. You know, and uh, and it's unfortunate. You know, because I think, uh, yeah, I think regardless of the skill set or what you're teaching. Uh, you know, it's easy, I think, to lose sight of what, what the real thing is you're trying to achieve and what's the goal, you know, and sometimes that can get confused. So it's, it's, it's you know, it's a message I hope to teach, regardless of what you're teaching or what you're doing, there's, there's a lot of responsibility in teachers' hands and they need to think about that. 
Yeah, it's um, this intentionality um, with uh, who's before us. And I, I always hold it to honoring the brain. Um, when that's how I begin with anything, like I ask the basic question, like how, how is this helpful for, for this child's uh, growth or for this child's health? And um, I like the, um, just the thought of empowering, empowering our youth empowering kids, empowering teens and programs. And um, it's not about the win, the pin. Um, it's about just the healthy, healthy, healthy kids. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's challenged because it's such a tangle, right? It's not just a wrestling program. It's not just a classroom. It's all of these things behind it. And so that's why I say uh, uh, there's just this big facade that, that we're living in and we have to get more real. And there's nothing more real than nature. Now that you can try to BS your way out of anything in nature, but a strong wind is a strong wind. A cold rain is a cold rain, right? Um, a warm sun is a warm sun. And so uh, the, the more we can incorporate um, the realness into our lives, I think uh, we can have conversations for, for empowering and for, for betterment. Wow. Well put. Well, man, this yeah. has been a great conversation. It's been a great show. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole heavy. This is, this has been like real heavy, you know, which is I good. Hope light. I hope light too. the, the balance of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to light, everybody, you know, listen, I'll, I'll level with you. People tune in just because of Joe. Okay, so they don't care about you or me or anybody else. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but no, this is great. I'd like to keep in touch and have you on again and maybe get like more people. Um, you had your, your other buddy that was on that was part of the tracking uh, school. So maybe both of those, you know, Octavio and him can be on at the same time and, and talk about that because there's, there's a lot of interest in, in that, you know, survivalists and naturists and you know, it's just something that is, is intriguing to me. But well, yeah, I'll second kind of what Octavia was saying before. I mean, it's, it's just, it is a foundation of what to me being a human is. It's one, I mean, we're very disconnected from it. Many of us in the modern world. And uh, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in it because I think people are missing that, you know, there's, there's a hole yeah. in their life, you know, and they miss that and they want to get out. I mean, it's, it's our heritage. This beautiful world is our heritage, you know, We've been, we were born into this world. Why not be able to, you know, get integrated back into it, you know? Um, so, and, you know, all the great work that all the, you know, teachers out there, people like Octavio doing the work with kids uh, is, is helping, you know, people across the world doing that. And so I just, say hats off to you for doing that. I think it's awesome that you're focused on teaching, uh, you know, and, and, and helping kids get that out there. I really, like I said, again, appreciate you spending the time and kind of sharing your story and your struggles uh, it's a very real human story, and it's it's got an awesome, like I said, a, a uplifting message and encouraging message. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you, you really exceeded expectations. I'm really happy that we had this conversation here, and hopefully, like Tony said, yeah, I'd love to have you back. And yeah, yeah. I would love to uh, put in a plug for uh, Four Elements Earth Education on on the West Coast. Um, they're they're really holding it down with getting these skills out there in in a heartfelt way. Uh, with their Fox Walkers programs, and they do the coyote tracks here on the East Coast, the Mid-Atlantic region. 
um, and anyone who's affiliated with them. There are lots of programs I, I forget right now, but I'm so I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful and my hope comes in the youth. It, let's let's empower the youth to get us out of this mess. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. So, well, uh, we're going to wrap it up because we know that you shortly have to go to work, Octavio. But yeah. and uh, but I want to just say that next Sunday, uh, everybody, please tune in because we will have uh, a very, very big announcement. Okay, uh, and uh, unless things get carried over, uh, let's just tune in next week. Uh, if it isn't Sunday that we'll do the podcast, which we are scheduled to do, it will be a, a day after that or so. But, um, yeah, we have a – I think it's a pretty big announcement. Don't you think so, Joe? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm very looking forward to uh, next yeah, week. Yeah, so just – big. We've we've kept the secret here for quite a while, so uh, yeah, we're we're all we're all scheduled to reveal that secret next weekend or whatever. But yeah, um, again, Octavio, great to to see. Are you still in Jersey? Yeah, I'm still in Jersey. Yeah, if I ever make it out that way, I'll hook up with you because I I love the East Coast. I used to go there a lot. I uh, I can't go now because of my mom situation, but uh, taking care of her with the Alzheimer's. But hopefully, I'll be out. Uh, out and about in a year or so, and uh, it'd be great to get, uh, you know, hook up, get some yeah. food, you know, hang out, you know. There are a lot of great that. restaurants out here. I actually work at a winery now, making wine, and there's something very cool and connected in, in that way with um, nature and, and such. So I'm, I'm loving that. So if you um, would like a tour and to get a nice meal, I'd be happy to. Awesome. Oh, that'd be great. I'd yeah, like to take you up on that. But until then, everybody, I want to say thanks. Uh, Joe, as always, it's a pleasure. We got to get Nico back on here soon. Um, but I look forward to seeing everybody uh, next week, and we'll go from there. So thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. All right, Bye. goodbye. I'm just going to...